Chapter Three of the Friendship of Anne, a story by Ellen Douglas Deland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The old town of Kingsbridge is in the hill country of New England, but exactly where it is not necessary to state. It is not in the mountains, neither is it very near the sea but in a gently rolling country with a blue line of hills in the distance from between the peaks of which fainter and more shadowy hilltops are discerned beyond whence the pure mountain breezes blow upon king's bridge some little streams take their rise there too flowing down to join the minnepaquick river and so on to the sea the sun sets behind those distant hills and as one watches the golden glory one wonders what the sun drops down to see way off in the west behind the screening mountains for in the hill country as in life there is always something just beyond our vision that we long to know about the town of kingsbridge was settled back in colony times and that its founders were men of means and good taste a stranger would recognize at once the houses were large and square and imposing and most of them were painted white there were a few modern houses but one marked them as being unusual they were all set in their own gardens with long box bordered paths leading from the gates beyond which in summer roses and lilacs and quaint old-fashioned perennials bloomed in delicious profusion and in which the yellow golden glow and deep-hued chrysanthemums made sunshine now that september had come miss wickersham's school was in one of the largest of the houses but it was of modern architecture with a french roof and a turret it had been built rather recently by a man who had made a large fortune and then lost it and miss wickersham had bought the home with the money saved from long years of teaching there was a fine lawn in front which was reached by an avenue of elm trees on one side was the garden and on the other a grove of pine trees beyond which a high stone wall separated the school grounds from those of a very old stone mansion this old stone house stood amid dark masses of cedar and pine trees the sun never touched the lower part of it and the dampness of ages had caused the wooden shutters to rot and the sills to crumble away the garden was overgrown with weeds but some of the flowers still managed to live and bravely bloomed each successive season at the back of the house was a tower at the top of which hung a great bell the tower was of stone and part of it had fallen but over the ruins ivy climbed and grass sprouted in the crevices the purpose of the tower and bell whatever it had been had long been a mystery and year after year the girls at miss wickersham's wondered queried and wove startling theories as to its origin 
only from the upper windows could they see within the precincts needless to say that the old brathwit place was of most intense interest to the more imaginative of the girls and in the weaving of ghost stories or other strange tales the scene was invariably laid there there was one room in the schoolhouse which afforded a fine view of the mysterious place this was on the corner of the third floor and from one of its windows you could see over the cedars which just at this point were lower and more dispersed than elsewhere miss wickersham usually gave this room to two of the new girls and this year it was appropriated to sydney stuart and bertha macy there were two little iron beds in the room two chests of drawers and two tables each girl thus had her own domain as it were although occupying the same apartment sydney's table was by the window overlooking the braithworth place while bertha macy's commanded a view of the grounds back of the school it was very comfortable and pleasant for the misses wickerstam believed in doing what they could in this way for the girls entrusted to their charge there were three misses wickerstam the principal herself and miss abby and miss jenny her sisters and assistants miss jenny was the favorite with all the pupils she was very pretty with soft fair hair and a lovely color in her face quite young too as anne talbot informed the new girls young that is compared to her sisters said anne she is very old when you think of her age for it is known to be twenty-eight which is really quite ancient but she is such a dear she seems as young as anybody the girls were in the almost deserted schoolroom when this conversation took place anne was seated on her own desk with her feet dangling dorothy fearing who was never very far from her was in the chair belonging to it bertha macy sat on the edge of the platform on which stood the teacher's table and sydney stuart was on one of the recitation benches the room was very large the walls were hung with maps and blackboards and there was no furniture but the desks and chairs the windows which reached almost from floor to ceiling were painted in a way that resembled frost so that it was impossible to see through them in the morning the room was bright enough but at this hour of the afternoon it was rapidly growing dark for the day had been cloudy and rain was now falling it pattered against the windows on the eastern side and the wind had begun to howl rather mournfully school had been open for several days and the first strangeness was wearing off a little for sydney but as she was a very shy person she had made no advances to the other girls which of course does not hasten the making of friends this afternoon she had been on her way to her room when anne talbot and dorothy fearing called her into the schoolroom bertha hearing them had followed anne had surveyed her darkly for a moment and had made a funny little grimace behind her 
and then decided to make the best of the inevitable for she is always going to be around you may be sure of that she whispered to dorothy i shall give her a good snubbing some time but not to-day oh no not to-day returned dorothy who was always for peace i've got two awfully important things to speak about announced anne one is about pratt's school and the other is about the club i just want to tell you that the boys who go to pratt's are awfully common we none of us have anything to do with them at least very few of us there was a great fuss once a girl who isn't here now got up an acquaintance with two of them and there was the greatest time i thought i would give you a hint how do you know they are all common asked bertha oh i know they are they always have been you had just better look out not to attract their attention in any way my cousins the tracys who live in knightsbridge told me they were all cads who go there and to have nothing to do with them bertha was silent she decided not to say that she already knew one of the boys there the other thing is the club continued anne i suppose you have heard about the club it has been in existence for nearly a year and it is called the k q c what does that mean asked bertha well that is just the mystery we don't tell the meaning of the name to the new members until the end of their first school year instead of testing the girls for membership before they get in we let everybody in and if anyone breaks the laws of the k q c she is quietly dropped do you see why i never heard anything so queer exclaimed bertha we might do it the first minute of course and then you'd get a sort of a notice the second time you'd get a censor the third time out you'd go with full explanations if you manage to stay in the whole eight months of school you'll be a full member from that time until you leave school unless you break the laws later see it is really a good idea for everybody has a chance to belong there can be no influence or anything like that and it doesn't make any difference about being intimate with anybody or having any pull anywhere there i suppose that is slang but it just exactly expresses what i want to say and i've simply got to use it sometimes we can all become members if we want to i was made president last term for this year so i am the one to tell you about it and we hope you will both belong what do you do at meetings asked sydney oh we do all sorts of things we have fun of some kind once a month we have a secret feast the great point is that no teacher or outsider shall know it is being held then we have our weekly meeting with no fixed day but planned with the greatest care and secrecy we do stunts that's a new word i got from ned when i was at home ned is my brother you know 
at Harvard. It means some kind of a performance. Oh, the whole thing is great fun, and I advise you to join. Do all the girls who are here now belong? asked Sydney. No, there are twenty-five old scholars this year, and seventeen belong. They all had the chance, but they went out for different reasons. It isn't always the same reason, but it is never told, and they never tell themselves. They are always ashamed of being put out, so you see no one can guess exactly anything about it. Of course the girls who go out sometimes give a sort of reason, but never the real one. Now, do you two girls want to be in the KQ? Indeed I do, exclaimed Bertha. I think it must be just too perfect for anything. I'm crazy to belong. Very well. Then your name will be put down and you will get a notice of the next meeting. It will come to you in a strange way, but you will know it when it does come. You can't mistake it. How about you, Sydney? Will you join, won't you? To Anne's surprise, Sydney hesitated. The color came and went in her face, as it did when she was speaking or about to speak. I should love to, she said at last, her face now crimson, but, but I don't know whether I can afford to. Afford to? echoed Bertha. Why the idea? Well, I suppose we have to pay something for the feasts and things, said Sydney in a low voice, but very bravely. And really, I, I am afraid I couldn't. Dorothy was about to speak, but Anne interposed. That is all right, she said. You need not bother about that. I will tell you later how that is managed. She pinched Dorothy's arm as she spoke until Dolly almost cried out in pain, but knowing that Anne was pinching her for the very purpose of ensuring silence, she bore it with the endurance of a stoic. Then we will consider you both members, continued Anne, speaking very fast, and you will come to the meeting and see what you will see. It is getting late. Yes, there goes the bell for study hour. We have just gotten through in time. And the four girls hastened from the rapidly darkening schoolroom and took their way to the library, a large room across the hall, where lamps were lighted and everything made ready for a quiet hour with their books. After that, there was an intermission of fifteen minutes to allow the pupils to prepare for supper, and then at six o'clock the big bell clanged and they assembled in the dining room for their evening meal there were two long tables in the dining room at the end sat the mrs wickersham and miss lovering and halfway down the sides of each table another teacher was stationed in this way a general supervision was established and a conversation maintained that was eminently proper and improving in its tone. Miss Wickersham poured the cocoa at one table, Miss Abby at the other, while to Miss Jenny and Miss Lovering 
was relegated the task of helping the cold ham the food was good but it was simple and to hungry schoolgirls it sometimes seemed scanty very often a box from home would arrive for one of them and it was always shared among one's particular friends there were a number of sets in the school as was natural among so many scholars but on the whole the spirit of good fellowship existed among them all and there was a very strong esprit de corps there seems to be no english phrase which exactly expresses this that was never wholly outlived by the graduates of the wickersham school this evening miss wickersham as usual had a topic ready for conversation this had been her habit from time immemorial sometimes it was an event in history sometimes one of the day and talbot declared that she had a list headed topics for the evening meal which she had been compiling for years and which was used alphabetically that may or may not have been true but on the night of which we are speaking the subject was queen anne and her times which certainly was near the top of the ABCs. Miss Wickersham was a tall, thin lady whose hair had grown gray in the service of teaching. She was an extremely angular person, and she dressed with the utmost precision and a due regard for the fashions of the day. A black silk dress with a bit of white tulle about the neck formed her daily afternoon toilet her hair was arranged in puffs with the front parted and crimped and she wore eyeglasses she had a cold manner and a voice that sounded like sleet on the window according to anne talbot she opened the conversation by asking what had made the reign of queen anne a celebrated epoch the name of anne and the cottages she built replied anne talbot promptly explain yourself more fully miss talbot said miss wickersham frostily she knew that something dangerous might be coming she always mistrusted anne anne dimpled and smiled her dark eyes glanced rapidly from one end of the long table to the other why the name goes without saying of course all of us annes are something queer and startling and you know about the cottages miss wickersham don't you she must have been very much interested in architecture i always think of queen anne as sitting and planning queen anne cottages how else do they get the name can't you fancy the dear old queen her crown on her head her sceptre leaning against her chair a row of architects that will do miss talbot can any one else at the table tell me for what queen anne's reign was noted there was a pause then sydney stuart her flushed cheeks showing her timidity at speaking in public turned towards the principal it was celebrated for her turning away from the real heir and bringing over the hanoverians and making george the first king it ought to have been her young brother a steward a jacobite among us 
exclaimed the irrepressible Anne. You have a family feeling for them, haven't you, Sydney? I was sure you were descended from Mary, Queen of Scots. If things had gone as they should have, perhaps you would now be seated on the throne with your crown on, Queen Sydney. Miss Talbot, your good spirits carry you too far, observed Miss Wickersham reprovingly. Miss Stewart, your reply shows thought, but it was not the answer I am looking for. Can no one help us out? The reign of Queen Anne was celebrated, said Bertha Macy, for the poets and writers and great literary men who lived then. Miss Wickersham bent upon her the most amiable gaze of which she was capable. You are right, Miss Macy, that is the answer, and she continued to enlarge upon the subject. Go up head, whispered Anne, not daring to say anything more aloud. In another minute Bertha jumped and gave a little cry. A piece of bread, fired with unerring aim, had hit her on the head and lodged there. No teacher knew whence it came, for Miss Wickersham was speaking to the maid and the others were occupied. What the pupils knew was another matter. Anne herself was calmly cutting her ham when they looked at her. End of chapter 3 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.